Welcome again to On The Spot. I'm your host, Mike Walker, and I'm excited to bring to the discussion table Bertie Kelly, Chief Executive <laughs> Officer and founder of Milan Property Management. Bertie, how are you today? I'm good. How are you, Michael? I am doing well. I'm doing well. I'm sort of peacock proud. Yeah, I'm sort of peacock proud once I uh, was able to get you booked and on this show. So I'm excited to have you <laughs> with me. <laughs> I'm excited to be here. <laughs> well, listen, I want to get right into it because we have a wide audience. I want them to hear from you with the time that we have allotted with you on your schedule. So for Absolutely. those who do not know you, tell us a little bit about your background and how you got your start in commercial real estate and property management. Absolutely. So I've been serving in property management industry for the last 18 years. It kind of just, I fell into it. Um, I, you know, began my career in in retail and I thought that's where I wanted to be um, before I entered into property management. Um, and I, I just, I mean, I loved retail and I, I ended, I think, um, just before I went into property management, my last retail, uh, employer was with, um, Nike in Beaverton, Oregon. And so, um, you know, I got married and had my son and, and then I just sort of fell into property management from there. Um, and then I, I made the, this the switch from, well, started in multifamily and made the switch to commercial um, kind of towards the middle of my career and uh, found some similarities between the the two sectors and loved it. Good deal. I tell you, I cannot tell you how (laughs) many um, commercial real estate professionals who I have, you know, either worked with or known in so many different settings who have attested to what you mentioned, including (laughs) myself, that we all sort of stumbled or fell into commercial real estate and property management, you know, there are those who are second generation, but there's a whole lot of us (laughs) who sort of backed up into this uh, profession and, and, and the career has certainly done us well from, from, from your seat uh, running an organization. What are some of the challenges you see facing the commercial real estate industry today? Yeah. So um, a lot of the challenges include um, like right now is understanding whether uh, the new normal um, for the hi- hybrid office solutions, if that's going to be like our new normal going forward, um, okay. or if that's just a temp- temporary fix um, for the interim, and then eventually everything would go back uh, to the norm as we knew it prior to pandemic. Um, and, and so many national tenants are utilizing hybrid schedules for their teams, which means that um, the multi it's going it's going from um, high occupancy um, with the multifamily sector and them kind of switching back and forth between the two. Um, so we, you know we're seeing on the multifamily side. Uh, increase in like work orders and and um, the importance of 5G running through multifamily. And then when you come back to Cree, um, we are we are seeing uh, complications in trying to fill our buildings and, and making sure it's a healthy building um, and making sure that on both ends it's sustainable and including the well part of that. Um, so uh, those are all of the challenges mixed in right now. Um, that I'm seeing um, and that Milan's uh, dealing with with um, our clients as we're starting to grow. 
Well, I certainly want to go into a little bit further with you that that hybrid office use because you know that there obviously there are those who who are sort of speculating, trying to get ahead of the curve on how the office space will be used. But you know, those like you and myself who've been in this business a long time, we know you know although the market may take hits, one thing is certain: office buildings don't go away. I mean, yeah. we re, we repurpose those buildings, we don't abandon those buildings. Absolutely. <laughs> As we're trying to figure out, and you hit—you really touched on a very important point, as, as everybody in terms of running their organizations, doing their business, trying to figure out how to best utilize administrative office space. This hybrid model or co-working or flex workspace is on everybody's radar. Mm-hmm. Everybody's talking about it, trying to figure it out. You know, how much of the footprint should be allocated to this <laughs> versus, you know, can we move away from it and get back to the norm? I mean, think, I think the jury's still out on that, but um, I'm sure you can attest we are definitely having sharp discussions around it. I mean, mm-hmm. how much of the space should be hybrid and what technologies are needed to do this? Even the furniture yes. uh, is becoming a, such a big deal because I, I'm going to say this. I know some people will probably get angry, but I know mm-hmm. you probably understand it, but it's, that, it's as if the office administrative environment is going through a transformation mm-hmm. that is no mm-hmm. longer as static as it once was. And it's becoming a much more dynamic space mm-hmm. that feels different. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It doesn't feel yeah. like the old sort of we're, you know, we're in four walls with the doors and, and that's gone away. People want a different experience at work. Yeah, we we are finding that we have to get more of a, a buy-in now from um, the the tenant and and their teams. Um, so they're not, them their uh, the workplace needs to be comfortable. Um, and as I was saying earlier, like a healthy building. So the most important things I think uh, to focus on for um, the buildings and making sure that the air quality inside the building um, is there. So like using um, MERV 13 air filtration um, and ensuring that we're bringing more fresh air um, into the buildings. Yes. Um, Yeah. So I just think that, you know, by ensuring, um, you know, the quality of air, um, by ensuring um, the design and that we could space things out. Um, I know that a lot of tenants are um, utilizing more of the amenities, like the larger conference rooms. Um, a lot of um, uh, buildings out here on the East Coast, I know we are implementing um, bike programs, like bike rental programs, where they could check bikes um, in and out. Um, anything that involves outside air yes. <laughs> uh, movement, we we want anything we could just kind of align and point towards healthy, we're trying to do so that that way, um, we're not just housing um, or, um, excuse me, um, off having the, the tenants think about being inside the building all day. We want it to be more of a wellness um, approach to where we can involve, you know, more of an exterior um, aspect to it. So 
Um, how can we get them outside of the building? How can we get the, the, the outside air into the building? How can we create that fresh approach? So yeah, there's going to be a lot of redesigning and just fresh approaches to um, hybrid environment. Um, and I think that it's going to take uh, the footprint of the flex environment, which is why I believe um, CVRE intelligently uh, so invested $200 million into industrious um, to give more of an office um, flex space um, creating pods um, and, and, and uh, those type of office suites for um, uh, tenants who want to reduce their footprints within the building. So we're not losing them, but reducing them. And then we're still getting that healthy hybrid um, traffic. So makes sense. Makes sense. I'm going to switch gears a little bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Be- because as you and I know, the pandemic has placed enormous challenges on mm-hmm. leaders and organizational leaders like yourself. What lessons have you learned during the pandemic? Wow, well, there are a lot of lessons. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, a lot of lessons learned on the personal side, but then on uh, just, you know, my career uh, during the pandemic is when I decided to, you know, it gave us all time to think. It slowed um, the world down and to where, I was able to kind of reassess, um, you know, where I wanted to be. Um, what did my future look like? Um, am, you know, am I making a difference? Is what I'm doing today, where I'm at today, making a difference for the future? Um, and when I retire and I look back, um, am I going to be coulda, shoulda, woulda? You know, and and I, I don't I when I had to, when I asked that question, as I think everyone should, um, you know, kind of reassess um, in, in their careers. Um, if if you're doing maybe what you are doing, you know, what you want to do and you're passionate about it, but maybe it's not making you the happiest um, reassess. Are you stressed every day? Reassess. Um, so I reassess and I think um, I thought, what the heck? Let me just you know, get started and, you know, do what I've dreamed to do is own my own firm, property management firm. And I started Milan. Wow. All behind slowing down. Yeah. A chance to reassess, <laughs> think through with some things. That is awesome. That is awesome. And that was something that we wanted to know well, what led to starting Milan. And it was just an opportunity to slow down and just reassess what I'm doing and how I'm doing it. And I'm going to go ahead and drop the other word. Leaving <laughs> a legacy behind is what I heard Absolutely. you say. Yes. You some, let some time to think about your legacy. Yes. You said, yeah, the time is now. Let, let's go ahead on start Milan and go ahead on down that road, which I, we've been over here again, just cheering you on. Thank you. And as you're out making it happen, we're so excited for you. So what are some of the re- rewards involved with being an African-American woman who's running a commercial property management company. Oh my goodness. So (laughs) (laughs) I'm laughing because I was just reading something um, yesterday, risk uh, versus reward. Um, And (laughs) uh, I think the rewards and the benefits far outweigh um, the, the initial risk and fear that I had um, to, to begin the line. Okay. And 
one of those reasons is because when I was a little black girl, I heard that I could be the president of the United States, you know, if I wanted to be right. Um, and eventually I grew up to, to realize maybe that wasn't as true because of the pathway to get there. I didn't see it clearly, right. It wasn't clearly um, laid out that a black woman could be the president of the United States. So I had to find a different dream. <laughs> okay. Understandable. Dream adjustment. <laughs> right. Dream adjusted uh, or reassess. There um, you go. But, you know, what I began to realize is, you know, what are other young little black girls seeing today? And do they see a pathway? And what pathway do they see for their careers? And one of the things growing up now in the industry um, of real estate um, and particularly in property management, I did not see a lot of black women at the top of the companies, much less black people, period, um, at the top um, in C-suite principals um, and, and executive um, levels. And so I wanted to be a small change to make the difference to change that, um, especially in property management. So that, um, you know, from little black girls, I going into an elementary school or middle school or high school and I'm talking to them, there is a career um, going into churches. There is a career. Um, and so I, that, that is a major benefit and just showing my son that you could do anything you put your mind to. So that's a major benefit, but then also just being um, a, a black woman, knowing that um, there isn't a clear cut, pathway for for me or for other black women in in real estate so I'm creating that I'm trailblazing that right now um, in government and um, on the private sector side um, I am so excited but there will be some very um, large product projects coming up um, in the next year um, that I'll be able that'll be publicly announced that I can't speak on it now but that I'll be, you know, a part of, and um, that dream will come to fruition because we're gonna start trailblazing that path to get there. Um, so yeah, I, you know, it, there are a lot of challenges though, and a lot of um, things that I've faced so far. Um, that just being a woman um, has kind of been a setback, and also just being a black woman um, has been a setback because there aren't things created for um, within the government in real estate for minority um, female disadvantaged businesses. Okay. That's good. That's good. That's really good to hear. You know, when you think about the commercial real estate industry, is there a need for DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion? Is, you know, is there really a need for that in the commercial real estate industry? There is a need. And yesterday, um, so I'm going to, I have a different approach to it. Um, okay. And do you mind if I call you, is it Mike, Michael or Dr. Michael? I want to make sure I'm being respectful. <laughs> I want to be respectful today. <laughs> it's interesting. I had someone call me recently. They called me Dr. Mike. And I was, I, I was teaching an ethics course and the young lady, she was like, Dr. Mike, Dr. Mike, Dr. Mike. But yeah, you know, we've been knowing, you and I have been knowing each other a long yeah. time. So Michael, certainly it's still appropriate. Okay. Well, um, I, I have a different approach and I shared it with the audience that I spoke to yesterday. Um, and as you know, the Real Estate Executive Council is a predominantly black organization and um, Harmon Bulls, um, 
with JLL is a, a, a part of it. Uh, we call him the GOAT of uh, commercial real estate. <laughs> and and um, I, I shared uh, there my thoughts. I, I have a different approach to diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, I am in, um, I'm telling my mom, because um, I had to understand it from her perspective, but I am actually Black. And I am half half black, half Native American. Okay. Um, uh, and so I can actually um, just learned within the last two years that I can actually get citizenship as a Native American. Okay. Um, uh, my great great uh, great grandma Edna Connor walked the trail of uh, tears to Oklahoma, and so we saw her name recorded and everything. And so from that perspective, I have two generations of pain behind me. Okay. Okay. Diversity, equity, inclusion is a deep, it, it, it's a deeper level of, uh, that needs to be addressed. Um, it's not just about race or gender. And everyone's like, huh? <laughs> it's about our cultural backgrounds, our differences, what we bring to the table. We all have individually different experiences. Um, there could be a black person that grew up in a um, wealthy neighborhood um, versus a black person who grew up in a low income neighborhood. And yes, we're both black, but we are not, we have differences and we have cultural differences, um, uh, of the environment, um, that we grew up around that when we come to the table, we will come to, to, to the table with different perspectives. So focusing on DE and I, not just for, because there are a lot of people getting fed up with, we are diverse. We are, (laughs) We yes, are fair. That's true. We're you know, we are including people. Well, I think what we truly need to start focusing on is um the that part of it. Um so when we when we talk about ESG, um we have environment, social, and governance. I think the social part is key because when we come together, um, we are coming together and we are aligning our social um not differences, what I'm trying to say, uh, social common backgrounds, right? Right. Like, oh, you grew up in California. Oh yeah, I grew up in California. Uh, What part, you know, the neighborhood? It's a difference between whether you grew up on the South side or the North side, right? Right, right. There's the culture, there's the diversity, the equity, inclusion. When we can start um, really honing in on that aspect of it, I feel that's where the inclusion part comes because now we can embrace each other for who we are. And that's what being authentic is. I'm authentic to who I am. I was born in California and I talk Valley. (laughs) (laughs) I speak Valley. And then I was raised in Texas. And then I, you know, um, you know, finished up in Oregon. So my, my background is going to be slightly different. So you see me as a black woman, but I'm mixed with Native American, Indian, and black. And I have a, a just a background littered with um, lots of history, um, you know, of how I grew up and experiences, right? So I, I feel that's the heart of diversity, equity, inclusion. And that's what we should be embracing. And I think when we look at it from that perspective, we won't get the pushback of, here we go again, you know. Certainly. Yes, we're diverse. <laughs> Certainly. Certainly. You're really speaking to the importance of, 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 of hitting on and acknowledging that, number one, we do have social common denominators yes. that transcend 
what you see on the outside. We just have mm-hmm. basic social common denominators. That's one of the tags. I'm taking notes. Yeah, I like to use <laughs> that tag phrase when I'm speaking about it. Everybody has mm-hmm. social common denominators. Yes. Um, and then you spotlight that other component, which is really understanding that there's depth to your humanity. Yes. Right. Oh my I, I am more than what you see. Yes. And you're more than what I see. There's depth yes. to our humanity. And, and if we are willing to just allow ourselves to, to digress for a moment and really mm-hmm. to pull on your term earlier to reassess mm-hmm. how we're operating at the microculture level, because there's the microculture operating within the macroculture. And mm-hmm. if, we can, if we can get to what you're talking about, we can get mm-hmm. down to that micro level of the culture and say, okay, you know what, Bertie and Michael, they, they, mm-hmm. they might look the same, mm-hmm. but they're not the same. Mm-hmm. Yep. But they're, they're, they have these social common denominators, these things that are, they just have yes. in common just because they're human, yes. <laughs> right? Yes. We're human. Yes. We have these things in common. Yep. How do we get the best out of them? Mm-hmm. in an organizational setting, in a community setting that allows them to be authentic, as you said, to be authentic to who they are, bringing yes. value and contribution to what we're trying to do. I think that, I think you're spot on. I think you're spot Thank on. You. You're spot on. Because di- diversity, equity, and co- inclusion is a hot topic mm-hmm. for several reasons, but I think some of it is going in the wrong direction, quite frankly. Yes. It's, it's, it's sort of getting off the the real road we need to be on is starting to go down some, some areas that probably don't need to be going down. Yeah, <laughs> but, I think it's highlighting hate. It's, it's actually highlighting what we don't want it to highlight. Martin Luther King Jr.'s dream, um, and some people may disagree, but I believe personally that his dream was for us to, um, you know, all have that, you know, common denominator. I've heard, um, a, you know, a few uh, Caucasian people say, I don't see color. And I think what they mean is exactly what I was just talking about. I see this person for their strengths, but I think what we need to understand is we also see them and embrace who they are, right? Right. So, yeah. You've got to see the, hum- the human being, yes. not, not this other stuff before you can put all these brands and labels and tags on people. They're mm-hmm. human. Absolutely. And that, that is so important that, that we take that time to say that's, that's really like, like mm-hmm. number one, that you're human. Um, I like to have fun when I'm talking yeah. to my guests because you, you guys are so, you know, you're, you're important in so many different ways and what your contributions are huge. I know that there's some young woman mm-hmm. who's looking and listening to this when it broadcasts, who's going to see you. They're going to hear you on all these social platforms that we're on. And they're going to want to know what advice would you have for a woman who's aspiring to leadership? What, what would you say to her? Yeah. Um, I would say, and I say this with a caveat, be fearless. Don't be a sociopath. You need a healthy dose of fear, <laughs> but be fearless and, um, you know, go in and ask, don't just ask questions, ask the right questions. Well, you um, I got to hit the pause button right there. Okay. See, that, that right there is where somebody's going to say, okay, I heard that they, they're going to write their little note down, but they're going to say, 
well, what is the right question? So we got to follow up with that. How do you get to understanding how to pose the right question? What's the right question? Yeah, no, that's a great question. <laughs> that's a right question. Um, no, I, you know, so when I say ask the right questions, I always ask myself, um, you know, uh, just for a quick example, um, I knew one of the most important components of forming Milan before I formed it was recruiting. Um, you know, so the, the question was, how do I win the war on talent? Right. Um, and so that's asking the right question to, to, to be able to focus myself on um, where my goals are and how to, to get the answer. Um, so asking the right question is um, knowing your why and, you know, developing the plan behind it um, is uh, establishing your how. Um, so, but if you don't know the why behind whatever it is, um, whatever topic, right, you can't go into something blindly and just do it you have to know the why behind why it's being done. Once you know that, you can then understand and develop your plan. That makes perfect sense. Foundational stuff. Understand the why. If you yeah. understand the why, you can work your way out of it in terms of arriving at the right questions to pose. I think that's so important. That's so important. You know, something else, as I was listening at you give that response, I thought about, is the importance of mastering what you don't know, being real good at knowing what you don't know as as you're leading. You know, if there's one thing I've learned in in this leadership journey is there is something to be said about knowing what you don't know. It's very important that you're, that we're good at that, that, and I'm sure Mm -hmm. as you're running the organization, you can speak to that on a deeper level, but there's a lot of value in just knowing what Mm -hmm. you don't know. Well, I had to realize that uh, every CEO that's um, at the top of a corporation right now, every principal, they don't know everything about their firm. They don't know how to do everything, but they have a team that knows there's a team member that they've hired. And so I don't know what I know until I know it. There it is. <laughs> Spoken with wisdom. I don't know what I don't know until I know it. That's wisdom. <laughs> Sounds like wisdom to me. <laughs> Well, listen, I have a final question for you. And it's a fun question. I ask this question of everyone. So you're just joining a long list of folks who went ahead of you into this particular question. But if you could speak to the 21-year-old Birdie, what would you tell her? I would say to the 21-year-old Birdie, be authentic to who you are. Don't let anybody change that. Block out all the haters. And I would also tell myself um, to move me and my son to Virginia and don't look back. <laughs> but that's a story for another time. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. Virginia is a beautiful state. I lived there. Yes. My wife loved it when we were there. Um, that's, it's a beautiful state. It, it really yes. is. Very beautiful state. And that's wonderful advice for a 21-year-old young woman who has sort of the world ahead of her. Yeah. And that that importance of just simply being authentic. Yeah. Absolutely. Wonderful. Well, listen, we have enjoyed having you stop by here on the spot and spend <laughs> a little time with us, uh, chatting with us, dropping those bars, as they like to say, <laughs> dropping some bars along the way, helping us out. I'm certain you help some young professionals who are going to hear your uh, our conversation and hear you talk a little bit about 
some important things. And again, we are just super excited about what you're doing there at Milan. And we wish you, your team, and everyone affiliated with you much success as you continue to go out um, and represent well and, and grow your business and your brand. We just, and anything that we can do to help, certainly don't hesitate to let us know. Uh, but we're excited about it. Thank you. I'm, I'm excited as well. And, you know, God's blessing. It's all to him. Well, that works. Well, listen, until I get a chance on the listening audience to talk with you again, I'll see you round like a donut. <laughs>